Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for September 23rd. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we take a rice month look at this year's rice harvest, and we get a farmer's perspective on agriculture supply chain challenges. We also hear about the upcoming How to Win an Election workshop presented by Arkansas Farm Bureau and the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce. First up, rice growers have faced wet and cool planting conditions, record floods, and were well into the harvest when a cold front brought combines to a screeching halt this week. Hear from UA Extension rice agronomist Jared Hartke to get the latest on the state's rice crop and what we should expect from harvest. Jared, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about the rice harvest and rice crop this year. Um, well, let's just start from the basics. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the year and kind of tell me what was the expectation for the crop um, and what, what did you expect to see this year for rice production in the state back in January? Well, we always start with high hopes <laughs> to start every year. Uh, our, our general expectation was really that acres were going to be off about 10 percent from 2020. That, that was kind of where things stood with rice prices compared to corn, soybean. Just kind of, you know, reading that magic eight ball about what direction we were going to go. And off of 2019 and 2020, with really wet springs, we were certainly hoping for something a little different than we, we didn't really get much of anything different, unfortunately. And, and I guess that would kind of be the oddity of the past 10 years is actually getting three consecutive years any kind of similar at all was is something kind of worth talking about. Unfortunately, it wasn't the kind of similar we were looking for going into this year. So we went from that early 10% expected reduction to seeing more like 15% reduction, still not as far off. Um, I mean, we had that those early rains and then, then the prices of soybean and corn really started to take off. Rice was keeping step, but those two really started to run off. And all of that wet weather, again, slowing our progress, not as slow as, as we've seen before, certainly from 19, but again, slower than we were shooting for. And kind of when all the, I'd say when all the dust settled, but there wasn't any dust for most of that, but uh, we'd say when the dust settled, we actually ended up with more acres than we expected. I, I was thinking we'd be, once we were kind of done with planting, I was expecting somewhere around 1.1 million acres. That's what it looked like around there. But there were a few pockets in the state that are kind of back off in lower lying areas that were, there were very much wild card areas. How much did they get planted? No real way to know, uh, to, to get in there and know for sure. Well, that's, that's where a lot of those acres came from that ended up putting us more like 1.2 million total acres. Again, long grain and medium grain combined. So a surprising jump there from my expectation, but not, not out of nowhere. They're, they're those pockets of the state that, that really show that in, in one uh, noticeable jump there would be that at least in, in the current acres we have now from FSA, Lawrence County is actually number one in rice acres and that's the first time Poinsett County, which is close, it's a close number two, but that's the first time Poinsett County hadn't been the number one for rice acres in 
let's just say a really long time. <laughs> I have to go back and pull some numbers together and see when the last time that was. Uh, but it's been a very, very long time. Uh, probably easily just go and say decades since that happened. But that's, that's a nice little indicator of where things shifted and kind of some of those acres came from, for instance, that got planted this year that we weren't sure if they would in some of those uh, river bottom areas and things like that that ended up working out for us. Mm -hmm. um, we did have certainly the flooding events in south central and southeastern Arkansas. We did lose some acres from that. Still hard to pin the tail on that donkey just exactly, but somewhere around 30, 40,000 acres were probably lost or failed due to that event. A lot more rice acres impacted. Uh, again, rice likes a flood, tolerates a flood. It doesn't like being completely submerged. And so a lot of acres did see that. And so they were set back, but not all lost as a lot of the water did subside early enough to not lose them. Certainly the, the soybean and corn and cotton, a lot more impacted by those floods. Uh, they, they die a lot faster standing in flooded conditions than rice does. So, uh, but we, we battled our way through that. And really once that cleared the picture, Suddenly it kind of wanted to stop raining. It finally got into to more true summer, hot and dry, and it seemed like we were off and running from there at that point with, uh, with the, the crop really starting to finally shape up after looking very slow progressing, somewhat ragged through the early part with all that cool weather and, and rain going on. Yeah. How about the hurricane? Did it have an impact? I know we talked about the, the, the probably most well-known flooding event in the southeast and south central part of the state, but did the hurricane add a late, late season impact? Just a little bit. We got really lucky with the path and that, that was Ida mm -hmm, on right. that one. And, and I'll name it because we've gotten used to naming the other ones. I think, was it Laura the year before? So Ida showed up on almost this, the same day a year later as, as Laura coming through. And Ida really made just enough of, a, of an east-northeast turn to pretty much miss most of the state. It caught the very southeast corner, did rain some there, nowhere near some of the very large numbers that we were expecting across southeast, really even 24 hours before it got there. It shifted enough path really just at the last minute mm -hmm. to, to avoid most of southeast Arkansas, certainly northeast Louisiana and, and parts of the, of the Mississippi Delta got a lot more rain out of that and across those directions. But, but we honestly were very, very fortunate with that one to kind of get by in most of the state. And then actually the, the, the more recent one, Nicholas, that, that showed up that we really didn't even think was gonna be much impact. It decides to, to do a, a square dance move or whatever down over Louisiana and, and, a, and a, I guess you know several days ago now and then does a, a swing and comes back up. And, and not that it carried a lot of rain or you know it, or winds that much, but just it wasn't even expected to come our direction. It was going east, and then it spins back up and brings rain last weekend. And uh, some guys got anywhere from nothing in eastern Arkansas all the way to you know one and a half to I know I heard some isolated you know over close to the river and even just across into Mississippi things like four inches out of that out of the rains that that came from that this past weekend so that one was kind of uh weren't ready for anything and then suddenly it showed up and, and gave us some rain yeah well that reminds me so I was on a rice farm on Friday uh here in Arkansas County and uh, they were about 70 80 percent done altogether. um 
I'm just curious, you know, it rained on Friday. We saw some rain throughout the weekend. And uh, obviously the rain has pushed you and I inside today. We were planning to be outside, but we've got more rain today. So uh, tell me, is this impacting harvest at all other than slowing things down? I mean, what what is the impact of the rains we're seeing this this week? Tonight? Yeah, at, at this point, you know, the, these rains and this front coming through, I mean, certainly a slowdown. The biggest thing we can hope for and it seems like we have this conversation at some point every fall, uh, whether it's just a front or hurricane, hopefully no more this year, uh, but about, you know, what's, what, what's worse, rain or wind? And the answer is both at the same time. <laughs> and because rice, and again, focusing on the rice part, I mean, rice can, can stand, you know, a lot of rain. It's just falling heavy rain, it's not too big a deal. Uh, it is a wetting event on dry grain that that's not ideal. Big heavy wetting event that's going to dry back out can can impact milling. Uh, but then wind alone, just windy conditions, eh, it'll wave the rice around. It, it might cause a little lodging, but the two together turns into a big heavy hand that wind pushing rain is just going to drive rice over, lay it over and cause problems. So uh, the, these little events right here, I do expect I've seen just a little lodging around. I do expect to see a little more that'll expand just a little bit but so far nothing major from these events other than just delaying things making fields a little muddier we're gonna have to get back going quickly with the cooler conditions it'll be nice and dry with a nice wind but but we are gonna, gonna put in a few more ruts than we were than we ever hoped for we always hope to get get away without putting any ruts in and kind of minimize the the field work we're gonna have to do to clean that up so Hopefully we'll be able to keep that to a minimum, but that's probably the, the driving concern right now. Uh, a lot of this rice has been ready to harvest for a while now, but, but due to the humidity and the conditions we've had, the, the grain moisture just hasn't wanted to fall out. That's a problem knowing it needs to come out of the field and it just not being where, you know, functionally for growers to, to go ahead and take it out and some, some increased drying costs and things that are associated with it. So we're gonna finally get that now with this weather shift that, that'll follow uh, these rain events now. But the problem is these, these big re-wetting events are, are can, may not be good for milling on those that have been sitting out there, again, wetting and drying, causing fissures in those kernels that'll make them crack and, and may lower some of our milling yields. Well, speaking of that, so hearing good things about yield across the across the state this year. Can you talk to us a little bit about yield quality? Do we see a record coming, anything like that? And then talk to us about um, just quality, grain quality. Sure, so I mean, from a yield standpoint, so far top to bottom in the state, there just is not much talk of anything other than these are great yields. And, you know, there's always an outlying field that you know seems seems off, you know, and there's there's something wrong. But by and large, just reporting very good to great to excellent yields. And again, that that's from the southeastern part of the state all the way up to to the Missouri line, reporting yields like that. I'm always hesitant to predict any kind of record yield. But I will say that, that our record yields were 2013 and 2014, pretty mild, cool years uh, with, with ample rainfall. And that was uh, those two years had state averages of 168 bushel per acre. 
Uh, 15 and 16 were a little more underwhelming, one very bad, but, but both underwhelming, but the past several have been just staying barely under those record levels, right around that 165, 166 to 167 bushel per acre state averages. And I mean, I don't see anything that's gonna keep us from being right there in that range, staying very close to potentially equaling a record. And, and I have heard a few field yields out there that are so exceptional that do remind me of some, some field yield reports I received in 2013 and 14 in what ended up being record years. So it's always possible, but with the, with the number of acres we do have out there and how late we did trend in planting, it's still a little bit of a toss up whether or not we're actually gonna challenge uh, that, that yield record mm -hmm. or not. But I, again, I think we'll be very, very close to it like we have been the past several at least. So things still look good. The, uh, I mentioned the milling part a while ago and you, you just asked about that again. Uh, last year was an excellent year for milling yields. Uh, growers love a good milling yield. It does carry a premium uh, with having a higher percentage of whole kernels in particular, and, uh, and then just more rice made uh, within a bushel. And then you move into a year like this one, it, and especially on the very earliest harvested rice, uh, some pretty underwhelming milling yields. A lot of variability early that has, I'll just use the term, it's leveled off some here lately there's still some poor numbers but there's some more better numbers in there more uh, closer to average yield so it's it's that bigger swing i think we're feeling at the moment going from an exceptional milling year last year into a below average feels like below average at this point we're only about halfway harvested on rice at this point so but right now feels like below average and so that's a pretty big swing for us at that point in time so i don't think it's going to be as bad but there are definitely some very low numbers out there i've heard as well in in milling and again these environmental conditions not not drying these fields out fast enough they're sitting there re-wetting and drying with these very high dew points high humidity uh, every time these kernels that are pretty dry or near ready for harvest that they get re-wet and then dry back out that causes little cracks or fissures in those kernels and when you mill them that's what makes them want to want to break and and that's what's drive seems to be driving most of it if there's any upside to take from it and you know figures lie in liar's figure but but the the past trends looking at our planting date data and what happens is typically when milling yields are poor early you pretty much always see an upward trend toward the later planting dates having better milling yields. So obviously we're gonna hope that remains true again this year uh, and, and head that direction. Uh, another wrinkle to it would have to be the amount of peck. Uh, most time when we say peck on rice, we're talking or people's minds immediately go to stink bug damage. Now, peck is not at all exclusively from stink bug. Tons of stuff, physical damage, uh, diseases and the smuts, anything that can give a discolored look to the kernel, stuff like that can is counted in that peck number. So it's not always stink bug. And actually there's a certain percentage we can, we can exclude everything from rice and you can still have a certain amount of quote peck and never have a stink bug you know, allowed to, to get on it. So we, we've seen that for years, but we did have pretty good stink bug pressure this year. Uh, trying to stay on top of those was trouble. And, and so again, some of the early fields had some pretty high peck numbers that we weren't happy to see. That is also leveled off some as we've gotten more into 
again, more of the rice was heading at that time, spreading those things out, making it easier to keep them under control. A little bit worried about some of the later rice that maybe those, when those numbers started to go back up and maybe we didn't keep them completely under control that, that the later rice may see some higher peck numbers. And that continues to be a big concern directly for growers. Uh, if you get knocked down to grade three, rice uh, due to peck that that's a pretty sharp economic hit mm. on rice the the economic loss the discount on that so uh, fingers crossed that that doesn't really happen or not much at all but but it has in certain years where we haven't been able to really keep our thumb on them at this point so uh, again the it's leveled off so it's moderate but we're still keeping our out for the later rice to see if it if see an upturn in peck again all right 50 percent done give or take uh, you mentioned you know, if, if, if historic data holds, we'll see the milling quality grow up. Any, any predictions in the last, uh, the last half of, of, of rice harvest? And then one more question just to wrap us up. Um, do you, when do you predict will be done? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but when, when do you think rice harvest, you know, wraps up for the year? Well, the nice thing about the current forecast right now is really the next 10 days looks cool, looks dry, low humidity, and if you've largely escaped much in the way of rains, you know, over the past between today and, and a few days ago, the, the next 10 days, there is going to be a massive amount of rice in the state disappear. So there's a really good chance we could go to 70 plus percent, you know, harvest to 75, 80 percent in just a week. Mm given those conditions, if it actually does hold and stay that way. So, so you're really talking, I mean, by, by, you gotta keep in mind that later planted rice still has a ways to go that'll drag us out. So you're still looking at, at right around the beginning of November, given good harvest conditions and, and heat to, to get there and finish some of that out. And there was a little bit of rice that was planted at the very end of June, some, particularly some replants. Mm -hmm from some of that rice lost early. Well, it's still got a little ways to go. That stuff's still green. Uh, it, it's got a month or more to go to be anywhere close to being harvest ready. So, you know, that's that's got a long way out. So um, predictions right now or, or with the weather we've got coming up that again, we're gonna make a, a huge jump here and then probably slow down to a, a lingering harvest out for a little while for some of this later mid-June and on planted rice that'll kind of drag us out a little bit waiting yeah. on some of those fields. Cool. Any Anything we didn't talk about? Anything you wanted to add in there? Any? No, I think I've run it all down for now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you for joining us on the Arkansas AgCast. I appreciate you so much, Jared. You're always so generous with your time and uh, we'll look forward. And if all the rice isn't gone by November 1st, I'll call you. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> all right, man. Talk to you later. Next, Arkansas County farmer Stephen Hoskin tells us about delays in the agriculture supply chain this growing season and how some of these issues have impacted farmers across the state. All right, Stephen, welcome back to the Arkansas AgCast. Thanks for joining me again. This time we're going to talk a little bit different topic. I think last time when we were together, we talked about rice. Uh, today, I want to talk a little bit about supply chain issues as it relates to uh, maintenance and, and downtime. So uh, we're starting to hear, and I say starting to hear, but maybe we've been hearing it for a little while, uh, and about some supply chain issues as far as parts and maintenance and things like that go. Have you guys experienced any of that on your operation? A, a little bit. We've been pretty fortunate um, to be able to find parts. Um, I've had combine issues this year, and we've been, I mean, I know one day my dad 
went to Mississippi and I went to Northeast Arkansas. We just kind of divided in, because one part was there, one part was there, and we just went and did what we had to do to try to get it back going. Yeah. Um, you know, my understanding that shipping, I mean, there, I've had the parts guy tell me that, you know, that part should be here tomorrow. Well, it gets here three days later. Mm. And that's probably been as big an issue as anything. I don't know whether that's labor shortages in warehouses or trucking or I don't know. But yeah. that's, it's been, that's been probably the biggest impact for us personally. Yeah, that's one thing that I've heard is that, you know, even when parts are available, you may drive to Fort Smith to get it or, you know, or like you said, Mississippi or something like that. Have you have you heard similar rumblings, you know, around town or, or other guys having the same issues? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, people have been all over looking for parts. I mean, we always break down. I mean, it's just part of what we do. Yeah. I mean, there's too many, <laughs> too many moving parts to make up, you know, all the things going truck truck issues and just you know just that's normal tire shortages have been okay um i mean i i have dealt with that a little bit we've been fortunate not on our trucks during harvest but like pickup tires were um wow we're kind of i mean i had to wait a month to get tires for my pickup oh wow so yeah it was uh you know to get that size and that style i mean i could have got they didn't have anything in my size on the floor, but I, you know, wow. I could have had something three or four days later, but not, not really. I mean, I wasn't real picky either. I was just like, I want to, you know, whatever. But yeah, it, but it, you know, I mean, we just manage with along with everything else, I guess. But I know I, the parts guy, one of them told me, he said, whatever you do, don't hit your auger on anything. He said, because I don't know when we can get one of those. Really? Yeah, That's he, interesting. I wonder what makes that uniquely you know apparently they're just scarce. Out of those. I yeah. don't I don't know. I don't know what the what yeah. the story is. Huh. Well, I know, you know, if if you've if anybody listening has ever been on a farm, then you definitely know that farmers really don't stop uh moving and they whether you're ch checking water or you know checking on machines or whatever so i can imagine that even a pickup going down more or less a combine or something really impacts you uh, uh how, how might that you know what are, how might that impact you i guess well i mean you know if my truck goes down i mean that's my shop on wheels it's got all my tools <laughs> and you know everything i not everything i need but a good good portion of it yeah um to you know that but you know trucks going down you know or semis during harvest i mean that's a big deal because i mean the lines are long this time of year and if you lose one i mean now you're waiting and, yeah and sometimes you wait anyway but but yeah. it gets worse i mean i'm fortunate to have these grain bins here that that can kind of mitigate some of that but uh you know, I don't have enough storage to store the whole crop. Right. And, and that, that can be a big deal. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, like I said, I, I just wanted to bring you on and kind of talk about that because I know that that seems to be gathering some steam, that conversation. And Absolutely. I'm sure as harvest rocks on, uh, we'll hear more and more about it. So thank you again for joining us and, and talking about that. You bet. Finally, Arkansas Farm Bureau State Affairs Director Jeff Pitchford tells us all the details on the upcoming How to Win an Election seminar and why candidates should attend to help ensure a successful campaign. Jeff Pitchford is joining me today from the Government Affairs team here at Arkansas Farm Bureau. Jeff, thank you so much for making the time. 
Hey, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite Thanksgiving uh, table uh, subject today. Politics. Yeah, politics. <laughs> no, really. Uh, we will stay away from sort of the, the, the what we all think about political discussions. And we are going to talk about the upcoming two-day seminar hosted by Arkansas Farm Bureau called How to Win an Election. That sounds pretty, that sounds pretty interesting to me. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what, what this is, How to Win an Election? Absolutely. And, you know, um, I guess it started back in the 1980s, early 1980s. American Farm Bureau decided to put together this seminar. They approached Republican and Democrat political consultants, and they put together a program and uh, decided to uh, incorporate that throughout all the state farm bureaus mm. uh, around the country and offer it. And Arkansas, we've always jumped on this and participated. The last few cycles, we've done it ourselves and not uh, not with American Farm Bureau, but we still use the basic premise that was put together, okay. which is a two-day seminar. It's going to be October the 12th and 13th here in Little Rock at the Farm Bureau headquarters. People can sign up and come in. Uh, there's a registration uh, cost of $225, and that includes meals and, and uh, all the materials. And we bring in some speakers, but we also go over all the nuts and bolts of running for political office. Yeah, I see. So you shared with me some information uh, earlier in the week, and, and I see here that there are some, uh, some seminars or, or part of the programming, I guess, would is how to evaluate the candidacy, how to clarify your issues, how to plan a campaign strategy. Tell us a little bit what about what a campaign or, or a candidate uh, might expect to, to get out of this when they walk out of the door after those two days. Well, absolutely. And what we at Farm Bureau want, we want folks to be successful. We want good candidates. Uh, we know that running for public office is hard. And mm -hmm. a lot of people may not know that, uh, may not understand that. And so right off the bat, when we come to our, our election seminar, and maybe you decided I'm going to run for a justice of the peace or a state representative or county judge or, or whatever you're, you're going to do. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that right off the bat, you understand what you're getting into. Okay. I think sometimes people look at elected officials and think that might be glamorous. And maybe sometimes that is, <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of work that goes on and especially in a campaign. And if you want to be successful and we want to help people to be successful, at Arkansas Farm Bureau, uh, we tell them, are, are you prepared? Do you, have you talked about this with your spouse? Have you talked about this with your family, with you, where you work, things that you do because of the time commitment, whether you are a city council member or a governor of the state, uh, mm -hmm. you're going to spend a lot of time uh, serving the public. And we want folks to realize that and understand that that's going to be something uh, that they're going to have to to uh, to realize sure. as they do this. From there, we talk about you know evaluating yourself, evaluating what it is you're running for. If it's a city council, it, is it a what's your district like? If you're running for state senate, what is your district like? Like, do you know the information? Do you know you know what's important to your folks back home uh, and folks in your area? 
And then we, we, we just kind of go from there, mm-hmm. uh, planning your campaign strategy, identifying the voters, targeting precincts, using polls. Um, we also make candidates do something that's uh, kind of unique. Uh, we tell them uh, in 25 words or less, why are you running for office? Oh, nice. Yeah. And I know that sounds very simple. But you'd be amazed how many people run for office. And then when they're asked that question, which is the most asked <laughs> question that they'll have, the media will ask them, people who they start randomly talking to, mm-hmm. and to ask them for their vote. Well, why are you running? You got to memorize that. Yeah, As a sure. candidate, you got to know your, it, it's your message. And we yeah. help them to identify and develop their, their message. And after that, it's, it's about organization. If you're running, especially, uh, a large campaign, you're going to have to organize yourself and organize your campaign. There's different facets of it, keeping up with records, financial, um, organizing the volunteers, setting up uh, uh, campaign stops and and uh, events, and et cetera. There's fundraising. Uh, we all know that. We see that all the time, people wanting to uh, ask for your money. Um, and then uh, we add things like social media and uh, a bunch of other things that we will will save that you'll just have to learn when you sign up for our <laughs> seminar. But uh, yeah. there's just a lot of things to a campaign. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and and I mean, I, honestly, kind of surprised that we can squeeze all that in in just a couple of days. So you guys have got to have this down to a T. I'm curious. Who should attend? We've talked about candidates, which I think are probably the obvious choice. Is there somebody outside of that scope that should consider attending this if you're not going to be an actual candidate yourself? Yeah, we we advertise that if uh, if you want to be a, a campaign manager or say that the, your candidate can't make it, but but you as their campaign manager can, it's really a refresher course. Uh, uh-huh. we, we, we think that we, we do cover a lot in two days. We also have the Arkansas Ethics Commission. They come over and do a presentation. So as a campaign manager, that's things that you're responsible for sure. is keeping up with the paperwork and the filing deadlines and everything like that. So uh, campaign managers would get a, a free, t- like a two-day of, of, of school, basically, mm-hmm. uh, for them. We also encourage uh, spouses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, spouses have come with the, with the candidate so they understand what their spouse is going to go through over the next year, year and a half, however long their campaign is, right? and understand why they're going to events, why they're having fundraisers, why are they not in the house, <laughs> yeah. why are they not home, uh, you know, why do their children not see them very much? Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll have a better understanding of why uh, the candidate is having to do what they are having to do and so we've we've had that before. We, we've had some spouses come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to that end, um, you know, it, it really proves just how rounded I guess the the programming is not only not only for the candidate, but you know how it affects them on a campaign trail, but how it can affect their their personal lives or professional yeah. lives too. Absolutely, that's why right off the bat, we're, we we kind of get them to think about what are they what are they about to sacrifice. Yeah, sure. And I know a lot of times we get mad at our elected officials. We disappointed in our elected officials or, you know, we want our elected officials when we call them or email them to, to return that phone call or that email immediately, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, and we don't think about, well, they're getting called and emailed by hundreds of other people. Sure. They're, you know, being contacted by other constituents. There's a, a whole list of issues that any elected official has to deal with. So it, it's a, so much, it's, there's a lot more to it than, than people think. And that's kind of what we tell these potential candidates at the very beginning and to make sure. We've had people go through our campaign school who said, you know, um, I'm not ready. Never mind. Huh? Yeah, I, I'm just not ready. <laughs> uh, we've had somebody do it twice. The first time they went through, they said, um, I, I realized I don't have everything in a row, everything lined up to do oh, wow. this. Yeah. Came back two years later, went through it again, and was successful. Okay. And so I, I think some, it's going to open their eyes. So, um, and that, that's kind of harsh at the beginning, but we want to make sure they, they understand what they're about to, to get into. Yeah. Well, manage, managing, help folks uh, manage expectations is as important as probably anything in the process. Well, speaking of that, you, you read my mind there talking about that candidate who came through twice. I'm interested, do you, do you guys have data on success rate or or sort of what what happened life after the how to win election seminar yeah we we've been averaging over the past 20 years of doing this program uh we've been averaging about a 75 percent success rate and we're really oh, proud wow. of that yeah. so we think it's uh uh you know uh, uh something that's really worth value we've kept the cost about the same we just kind of c- cover cover our, our, our basic cost to do this. We're not mm-hmm. looking to, to make money on it. Uh, we're looking to, again, uh, offer this as a service to people who are about to step into to the campaign world and, and run for public office. And so, and you know, that 75%, we've had people who are running for local elections all the way up to Congress. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, sort of w- at what level – uh, school board, uh, or school, is that? Yeah, school board. We we encourage that. We've had a few, uh, not very mm-hmm. many, but a, but a few at that level. Uh, but that's a political race too, right? Exactly. And you know, we'll, we'll give you some tips here that uh, if you don't have a lot of money in your campaign, we're going to give you some tips of how to maximize a, a campaign at the with the least amount of money. Yeah, uh, because a lot of times you can do some things that aren't necessarily have money tied to it. It, it has time, mm-hmm. you know, it'll cost you time, but there's a lot of things you can do as a campaign uh, candidate that, that doesn't cost a lot of money. And so races like a school board or a city council or something like that can get a lot out of this, uh, out of this, this seminar. Well, speaking of cost, um, the breakdown is 225 bucks if you're a candidate uh, or a campaign manager, or a spouse without a candidate, uh, two hundred twenty-five bucks to attend. And then, if you're a spouse joining a candidate, is one hundred ninety-five bucks. So, you know, really reasonable in the world of sort of political campaign uh, expenses um, that we've seen in the last in the last few years. I'd yeah, say. like I said, we try to keep the cost down low, and that also includes all the materials, uh, lunches, a dinner. Uh, breaks and uh, refreshments, yeah. Through, for those two days, the only thing you have to come up with is lodging on your on your own. Mm-hmm. And we we could certainly give you, uh, if you're interested, some recommendations for hotels that are near uh, the Farm Bureau uh, office here in Little Rock. Yeah, sure. Well, we talked about success rate a little bit. Uh, any testimonials stick out 
uh, to you at all, um, you know, folks who have been through this campaign or maybe have spoken up about it after the fact? Yeah, we've had, well, you know, we got several current members of the Arkansas House of Representatives and, and, and State Senate uh, that went through our program. Uh, Jeremy Gillum was uh, the former Speaker of the mm-hmm. House of Representatives. He, he went through this program. So um, yeah. a lot of success there. Uh, Vic Snyder was the congressman that I was talking about. So oh, obviously yeah. he was successful he right, went through yeah. our program. Uh, and so, you know, several. And, and we've had some people who are already elected who have gone through our program because they just wanted a refresher to make sure they understand, you know, like we'll give you a tip like, Say you're you're running in an area that's heavy agriculture. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can can get a few key farmers that will support you, let them go out and and uh, gather names of other farmers, and then they could post a list in an advertisement or or on social media. Farmers for Jeff, and yeah. here's their list, and and those are really important then other people in that community will see that list and they'll recognize some names on that list and go, well, I know, Oh, Joe. And if Joe's supporting Jeff, mm-hmm. then Jeff must be a good guy. And so it's little tricks like that, you know, yeah, getting people sure. to, to donate. So for, and because those people who donate to your campaign, um, they're going to tell their friends. Mm-hmm. Because if you donate to somebody, you're invested in them. That's the highest level of endorsement. You, really. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you you want them to win because you put your money there mm-hmm. uh, and gave money to them. So you're going to tell your friends. Um, uh, issue management, uh, coming up with the right message that fits your district. If you're in an agriculture district, say, in, in a state rep seat here in, in Arkansas, and you all you talk about is manufacturing, Mm-hmm. Well, that may not be the right message yeah, for great, your district and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so just things like that, that, that we, we go through that uh, even people who are already elected can get a refresher of, of what to do. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. So just to recap, October 12th and 13th, uh, registration deadline is October 8th. How do folks sign up to attend? Well, very easily, they can go to um, the uh, Arkansas Farm Bureau webpage and click under public policy. It's uh, one of the links at the top. And under the public policy link, you can get to how to win an election. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can register online. There's a link on that page that that gets you straight uh, straight to us. I've seen some of the I've seen some brochures around too. So if somebody gets their hands on one of those. I think there's a link in there, or QR code or something. QR code there uh, for for sure. But uh, they can also give me a call. My cell phone is five zero one. Oh boy, three five zero three two six two. Are you sure? Absolutely about that. Okay. Absolutely. Give me a give me a call, and yeah. I will help make sure you get signed up. Okay. Where do I sign up for the I'm for Jeff? Uh, <laughs> campaign i'm for jeff.com <laughs> no, <I don't> know. <laughs> cool man well thank you so much for uh joining us and talking about this how to win election seminar taking place on october 12th and 13th here at the arkansas farm bureau center in little rock uh you guys if you're interested sign up uh the deadline's october 8th or give jeff Pitchford a call and jeff thank you absolutely thanks thanks so much That's all for this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Join us again next Thursday for a look at the latest news in Arkansas agriculture.